Welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. In the news, are the prophecy teachers giving us the real truth? Is there more to Bible prophecy than we think? Can we trust the Bible prophecy teachings that claim we will get raptured away from all our woes? Is Christ's return really imminent? Let's find out. Now here's your host, Albert Hardy. Hi everybody, this is Albert Hardy with episode 10. So, I want to give you a quick rundown, an overview, if you will. And probably it'd take me 30 minutes to do it. But here's basically what I want to say. Damascus, Syria will be destroyed. And I can prove that in our will from Scripture. The hammer of the whole earth, this is point number two, will be broken and cut down. And that, my friends, is Islam, and I'll show you that from the scriptures. And three, Jesus himself um, said this, The night comes when no man can work. What do you think he meant by that? I'm going to give you my take on it. And also, the sun and the air get darkened. Before Jesus returns, all of these things will happen. Point four, Jesus is coming in a cloud cover, and every eye shall see him. Point five, the resurrection of the saints, the believers. It's a new day, a new dawn. Point six, the dawn of a new era. Point seven, Jesus will then set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. All governments of this earth eventually get destroyed or gone. Or they're no longer around. His government, his kingdom, shall never go away. Now let's hit the scriptures. Point one, Damascus destroyed. Isaiah 17, verse 1 here it is in the Moffat translation, an oracle on Damascus. Soon shall Damascus be no more a city, Whoa. but lie forever desolate. In ruins, her townships a sheep run where flocks lie unafraid. Ephraim shall lose its ramparts and Damascus its royal power, and Aram's survivors shall perish, so the Lord of hosts decrees." Unquote. And also, we're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 23 and verse 23. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel 23 and verse 23. And I'm going to read down to 30, or, uh, 25. Here's what he says. And this is again in the Moffat translation. Uh, let's see. I will amass them. Well, let me back up to 22. Therefore, Oholibah, here is the Lord's eternal sentence. I, I, the Lord God, will rouse your lovers against you and the lovers you broke with. I will mass them around, all around you, the Babylonians, 
all the Chaldeans from Pudu, Pukudu, Sutu, Kutu, with them all the Assyrians, handsome young fellows, every one of them, prefects and governors, captains and counselors, all riding on horseback. They shall attack you with many chariots and cars, and with a host of nations they shall invest you with shields and targets, helmets, targets, whatever that is, and helmets. I will entrust them, or judgment to them, and they shall sentence you. I will vent my jealous fury upon you and let them deal with you fiercely, cutting off your nose and your ears. Your survivors shall fall by the sword, your sons and daughters shall be carried off, and your survivors burned to death." Unquote. Oh, that sounds pretty dire to me. Next, the hammer of the whole earth, which is Islam, will be cut down. This is in Jeremiah 50, and verse 21. Let's go there in the King James. Go up against the land of Miriathium, even against it, and against the inhabitants of Pecod, and waste and utterly destroy after them, says the Lord. And do according to all that I have commanded you. A sound of battle is in the land, and of great destruction. Verse 23, Jeremiah 50. How the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken, how is Babylon become a desolation among the nations? I have laid a snare for you, verse 24, and you are also taken, O Babylon, and you were not even aware of it. You are found and also caught, in other words, caught in a trap, unaware, they didn't know it was a trap, because you have striven against the Lord, unquote. In verse 40, he says this, As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighbor cities thereof, says the Lord, So shall no man abide there, neither shall any son of man dwell there. Behold, a people shall come from the north, a great nation, and many kings shall be raised, raised up from the coasts of the earth. And they shall hold the bow and the lance, they are cruel and will not show mercy. Their voice shall roar like the sea, and they shall ride upon horses, every one put in array like a man to the battle against you, O daughter of Babylon. Unquote. The prophecy teachers don't read this. They don't read any of these scriptures that, that I've seen except maybe one or two. The next point, Jesus is coming... Well, wait a minute. Let's back up. How do we know that is um, Islam? Well, Babylon, that whole region, included Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Jordan, parts of Israel, um, Iraq, part of Iran. It's all that whole vast region. Well, that's all Muslim, 100% except for Israel. And it's 
got a lot of Muslim population as well, and they want to take it over. And that's what the fight is all about. That fight goes all the way back to Genesis, where Abraham had Isaac and Jacob. Well, Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and he also had Esau. And Esau and Jacob did not get along, even in the womb, and they became separated and archenemies. They came back together again, but Esau went after foreign women, and her, his mom did not like that one bit. He wanted him to stay in the clans of Israel. Or, you know, the seed of Abraham and Isaac. So, but anyway, it did not turn out well. And now we have Islam. Okay, so, now, Jeremiah 34 and verse 1 through 17. And this is the proof I was going to show you about how the night comes when no man can work. So let's go there. I actually meant to say Isaiah 34. Come near, you nations, to hear, and hearken, you people. Let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world and all things that come forth from it. The indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury is upon all their armies. He has destroyed them utterly. He has delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. And the whole host, all the host of heaven, shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. And I've covered that in other podcasts. But basically, when you roll up a scroll, you can no longer see the words. And that's the take I have on that. And all their hosts shall fall down as a leaf falls off from the vine, and as a falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down on Idumea. Why do I think this is Islam? Why do I think it's in the area of Babylon, the ancient old Babylon? which at one time was a world-ruling power. This is why. Come down on Idumea. If you research that in, let's say, the Moody Bible Atlas, which I highly recommend, by the way, um, you will see where Idumea was. It is in the land of Saudi Arabia, Iraq and Iran, Turkey, Jordan, parts of Israel, Syria, Lebanon, etc., and upon the people of my curse to judgment. Now, who would be the people of his curse if not Islam? I can't think of anybody. But God does not approve of foreign gods, and especially that do damage to Israel. He will bring his people, or upon the people of my curse, judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood, is made fat with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats and with the fat of kidneys of rams. For the Lord has a sacrifice in Basra, which you can find on a map. And Basra is in southern Iraq. And a great slaughter 
excuse me, a great slaughter in the land of Idumea, and the unicorns shall come down with them, and the bullocks. This is talking about generals and, and uh, captains and such in the war. Uh, let's see, I skipped a chapter here, I'm sorry. The land shall be made, or shall be soaked with their blood, and the dust made fat with their fatness, for it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, and a year of recompenses over the controversy of Zion. And get this, verse 9, chapter 34, Isaiah. The streams thereof shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. Burning pitch is asphalt, it's tar, it's oil. Who's got more oil than Iraq? Not very many people on the earth, that's for sure. Verse 10, It shall not be quenched night nor day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever. Even from generation to generation it shall lie waste, and neither shall pass through it, none shall pass through it uh, forever and ever. But instead the cormorant and the bittern shall possess it, the owl also, and the raven shall dwell in it, and he shall stretch out upon it the line of confusion and stones of emptiness. Unquote. Now let's couple that with John 9, 4. You'll remember what it says, the night comes when no man can work. Let's read a little context of that, shall we? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John 9, and starting in um, verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Remember that. Who's going to light up the world if it turns dark? Well, that would be Jesus. Now, what makes me think that the, the earth, the world, the whole world is going to be darkened? Well, let's go to Matthew 24 and verse 29. That's easy. Easy enough to prove. Now, I can show you why it's going to be darkened. Remember, we just read it, that the hammer of the whole earth would be broken and that it's... Um, tar, its asphalt, would be on fire, burning, melted all over the land. Matthew 24, verse 29, says this, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and, the, um, and then all the tribes of the earth shall mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And then, in other words, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Unquote. Now, the prophecy teachers of today do not talk like this. They, don't, they say that Jesus could come back at any time, any minute, it's imminent, 
look up. He might be coming right now. Well, I'm here to say no. He first, uh, the first thing is that the sun and the air will be marked by darkness. Marked by darkness. He says in verse 27, for example, For as lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So it's dark. It's pitch black outside. And what do they see? They see lightning that's really, really bright that comes out of the east and shines even to the west. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Wow. So in the sequence of things, Jesus got it right. You know, this matches all the other scriptures. There are no scriptures that say that all the prophecies have already been fulfilled by this time or that. That's a figment of men's imagination. But let's get it straight from scripture. Now to see some more about this, you know, Babylon is going to be underwater. Have you ever heard that one? Well, let's turn to Jeremiah 51, verse 37. Take a look at it. The last four chapters of Jeremiah give a detailed account, step by step, of all the details that you ever wanted to know. For example, the first verse of chapter 50, The word of the Lord spoke against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. Declare among the nations and publish and set up a standard. Publish and don't conceal it. Say that Babylon is taken. Bel is confounded. Merodach is broken into pieces. Her idols are confounded and her images are broken in pieces. For out of the north comes a nation against her, which shall make her land desolate, and none shall dwell therein, and they shall move away, and they shall depart, both man and beast. In those days, and at that time, says the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, and they shall gather, no, they and the children of uh, Judah together, going and weeping they shall go, and they shall seek the Lord their God. And they shall ask the way to Zion with their faces toward it, saying, Come, let's join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that shall not be forgotten. And you can read the rest. These are fantastic revelationist uh, verses. But in 51, uh, let's see, I want to go to actually 21 and 50. To start with, 21 and 50 says this, Go up against the land of Meriathium, even against it, and against the inhabitants of Pekod, waste and utterly destroy after them, and do according to all I have commanded you. And let's couple that with Matthew 24:29. Remember he said, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars would fall from heaven. Well, that's very interesting. Now in 51, we'll, we'll go to Revelation in just a second. I want to stop by here. Jeremiah 51, verse 37. 
and Babylon shall become heaps, a dwelling place for dragons, an astonishment, and a hissing, without an inhabitant. A hissing? What does he mean by that? It's a sound that it that fire makes when it hits water, water when it hits fire. Very interesting. I was going to show you that the land of Babylon shall be under water. Now, they shall roar together like lions. In their heat I will make their feasts, and I will make them drunk, so that they may rejoice. Excuse me, rejoice and sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake, says the Lord. I bet you never heard that one before. The, pe the, the prophecy teachers and the preachers say that people will burn in hell forever, consciously. That's not what this verse says. They will sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake. You can't be awake and asleep at the same time. It's also reiterated in... Uh, Verse 57, which says much the same thing. And I will make drunk her princes, her wise men, her captains, and her rulers, her mighty men. And they shall sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake, says the king whose name is the Lord of hosts. Now, you can't get around that. Now catch this verse also. Verse 58, Jeremiah 51. Thus says the Lord of hosts. The broad walls of Babylon shall be utterly broken, and her high gates shall be burned with fire, and the people shall labor in vain, and the folk, because of the fire, I put because of the, in there, it just says the fire, and they shall be weary. To me, that means that people are actually going to try to put this giant fire out. Well, what is this giant fire I'm talking about, or group of fires? When they nuke it out in the oil field areas like Iraq and Iran and Saudi Arabia, guess what happens? You know, some of that oil is less than 25 feet down. It's going to explode onto a pool or lake of fire. And the people are going to try to put it out. They'll stop doing their war dance and start doing the let's put the fire out dance. But unfortunately, it'll be far too hot. It'll be so hot that the sand around it will melt into glass and fall into the abyss. Ah, what a mess. And that's what is going to cause the smoke. You want to see some proof? Let's go to... Um, Revelation 9, uh, let's see, Revelation 9, and verse 2. I just got this beautiful new Bible, and it's the pages are sticking together a bit. Listen to this, uh, verse 1. The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Unquote. You can't get any clearer than that. And there is a reference to Joel 2, 
2 and verse 10. Let's go there. Joel 2, starting in verse 2. A day, well, okay, let's go back to 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion, and hear the sound of the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord comes and it is near at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, verse 2. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Wonder where I got that? Well, that's one of the main places. As the morning spreads upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, that there has never been light before, neither will there be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devours in front of them, and behind them a flame burns. The land which was as the Garden of Eden before them now becomes a desolate wilderness. Yes, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses as they um, run with their horsemen. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of the mountains, they shall leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devours the stubble as a strong people set in battle array. Unquote. Let's go back to chapter 51 of Jeremiah for a second and go to verse 55. Still talking about Babylon. This whole, All these last four chapters are talking about the destruction of Babylon, that whole area. I will bring them down, in verse 40, to the slaughter like uh, rams and goats. How Shishak is taken, how the praise of the whole earth is surprised, how Babylon... Become, how is Babylon become an astonishment among the nations? And get this, verse 42. The sea is come up on Babylon, and she is covered with a multitude of the waves thereof. Have you ever heard a prophecy teacher talk about that? No, I have not. I've listened to quite a few of them. The sea is come upon Babylon, and she is covered with a multitude of the waves thereof. Now, here's what I feel is the answer to this. Babylon is, I mean, the city of Babylon, it's a city of about 600,000 people in central Iraq today. It is no longer the seat of a vast government, but maybe it will resurrect. We'll have to wait and see on that one. It says her cities are a desolation a dry land, a wilderness, a land where no man dwells. But how is it that the sea could come up on Babylon and be covered with a multitude of their waves? Well, let's look at the geography for a moment. There's a tall mountain range separating Iran from Iraq. And then there's mountains all over Saudi Arabia, which is on the western side of Iraq. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that the lowlands, the valley, is in between those two mountain ranges, and that is known as Iraq today. Well, Kuwait separates Iraq from the sea, and that's why Saddam Hussein wanted to take it over. He wanted to have jurisdiction over all the land and the oil that goes all the way to the sea. So, 
when this fire takes hold of Iran, or I'm sorry, Iraq, and according to the Brookings Institute, you can go to their website and type in where's the oil, and you can find out that Iraq has more oil than Saudi. More oil than Saudi. Saudi, we thought Saudi was a big oil producer, and it is. Well, it's concentrated in Iraq. And that's where the oil is on top of the ground. It's on top of the ground. It's not even buried. No wonder if they nuke these oil pools, they're going to be caught on fire. If there's a war in the Middle East, and I'm telling you that it, that's what I think the, the Bible is telling us right here, then that oil fire is going to burn through the sand all around it, burn up the sand, and it'll fall into the pit as the smoke goes up and fills the atmosphere, and as the world turns day after day, the atmosphere is going to get a little bit darker every day, even all around the earth. No, 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 you say. And I talked to an evangelist about this, and he said, well, that's just going to be over there. It's a localized event, no big deal. I said, oh, wait a minute, the earth turns. That smoke is hot. It's hot. That oil is going to burn at thousands of degrees. And that's why the sand will melt into it and form a pool. And it'll reach eventually to the sea where Iraq is, or uh, Kuwait is now. And when it hits the sea, it's going to hiss. Remember, we just read that. Though it will end in a hissing. So, in my opinion, this is exactly what he's trying to communicate with us. Just as we saw in Joel 2. Now I want to take you to Amos chapter 8 and verse 9. Amos Obadiah, I believe is the order. Yep. Okay. It's about in the middle of the Bible. Amos 8 and verse 9 says this, And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord. And when you hear the scripture use that phrase, in that day, this is the day of the Lord he's talking about. That I, in other words, the Lord God, will cause the sun to go down at noon. Hmm, dark at noon. Yep. And I will darken the earth in the clear day, and I will turn your feasting, your feasts into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation, and bring up sackcloth upon all your loins, and baldness upon every head, and I will make it as the morning of an only sun, and at the end as of a bitter day. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will send a famine of the land, or in the land, not of bread or thirst for water necessarily, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. So strike while the iron is hot. It's an old saying out of the, the days of blacksmiths. You strike the iron after you've heated it so that it will be malleable and bendable, and make it do what you want it to. Strike while the iron is hot. That's good advice. Act now. 
And so that's what we all need to do. Jesus will be coming through a cloud cover. Well, that's exactly what he's talking about in Matthew 24, verse 30. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and they shall, or then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. Why are they mourning? Well, they're scared. They're frightened. They're, they're dark. It's dark outside. No man can work. Jesus said so. There comes a time, John 9, 4, the night comes when no man can work. And there will be a famine of the word of God. Nobody's going to be preaching. The Internet's going to come down. Why do I predict that? Well, think about it. What keeps the Internet alive? Satellites. There are over 22,000 satellites out there. They're all controlled by radio signals from various substations all around the globe. Go to YouTube and watch the videos. Just type in what keeps the Internet up there or... What do satellites do, or something like that? Well, they're communication satellites, and they beam these signals up there to keep them from bumping into one another. And in that way, they can communicate and talk to people. We can have cell phones, we can have the Internet, we can have Skype, etc., etc. Now, with a cloud cover of smoke blanketing the Earth, in the atmosphere with a dark cloud, it's radioactive because of the oil smoke. The oil is still going on. It takes years and years and years and years for the smoke to accumulate, perhaps. And people are trying to put the fire out, but there's no way. It's just plain too hot. They can't get within five miles of the, the fire. And if they did, it would just fold right in with the sand as it melts. There's no putting this fire out, folks. Only when it hits the sea. The sea will come up over Babylon, put that fire out, and Iraq will be underwater. Remember, it's a valley. It's lowland already. And when the fire burns the oil away, there's going to create, it's going to create a giant hole, which will be filled with seawater, and that's what I believe will put the fire out. But the smoke will remain. Why? Well, think about this. The smoke is radioactive because it got set on fire, the oil fires, by a nuclear blast. When that happens, it's going to fuse the molecules of the air to the molecules of the smoke, and we're going to have black air that cannot be cleansed by rain. And that's going to block these radio signals. And the people that used to go to work every single day, these engineers, to uh, make course corrections with retro rockets on board these uh, communication satellites, will no longer function. They won't go to work, first of all. And all of these are going to fall down. Yes, they're going to fall. They're not going to be up there perpetually, and they will be shaken to the ground. Okay, so we saw that the resurrection is coming. Now the dawn of a new day, Isaiah 35 and verse 1. This is one of my favorite chapters because it shows what happens after the big 
blow up the fire and everything else that happens in chapter 34. So 35 says this, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. It shall blossom abundantly, even rejoice with singing and joy. The glory of Babylon, or I'm sorry, of Lebanon, shall be given unto it, and the excellency of Carmel and Sharon, and they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. So strengthen the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to the fearful of heart, Be strong and don't be afraid. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even a recompense, and he will come and save you. And you can read the rest of the chapter. For sake of time, I won't read the rest of it. But this is the dawn of a brand spanking new era. Jesus is at the helm. He's taken over the governments of the world. Let's go to Revelation 21. And I'll show you something interesting there. Here it is, 21.3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Nobody's going to heaven. God's coming here. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and they shall, uh, there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne that would be the king of kings, that would be Jesus, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. Are you a thirst today? Oh, I certainly am thirsty for this kind of stuff. I want Jesus here. And I want to be with him and do whatever he wants me to do because that's what I want too. I love what his ideas are and what he wants done. He's a builder of worlds. And then he fills them with life and makes that life wonderful. Doesn't that sound good? Verse 7, he said... He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Wow. That's exactly what life is all about. Well, I hope I've opened a few doors for you. I want to talk more about these things. But take a look at them. Read your Bible and listen to what it says to you. There are marvelous things in there, and it's tremendous. Come back again next time. And we'll talk more. In the meantime, you can go to my website, itellwhy.com. And you can read my eight books there, and you can even print them. And one of them I have recorded. It's about the life of Jesus. It's rather lengthy. There's 30-minute 30, 30 sessions there. So, But you can listen to them and maybe glean some good stuff that you've never heard before out of the powerful life of Jesus. Until next time, this is Albert Hardy saying I care about you because you care about God and prophecy. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.